0: We are wrapping up our series on Ruth. I wanted you to see that bumper. I didn't go straight into my message from that last prayer because I wanted you to see some of the wording on there that Ruth is a story about people that are a part of God's plan, a bigger plan than any of them could ever imagine. And if you haven't been with us for the last three weeks, there's four chapters in Ruth. We're on chapter four today, but I'll catch up the story a little bit, but it's a story of God's providence. And providence means God going ahead of us, providing, protecting, and guiding us. Uh, A while back, somebody sent me an email and they said, hey, I want you to read this encouraging story about God's providence. And it was a story about a man who had moved his family in uh, 2020, at the beginning of 2020 to take a new job. And then after the pandemic hit, the whole business had to shut down and it never reopened. And so he just moved his family to a new city, lost his job, And he didn't know what he was going to do. And the family was praying and they were going, God, why would you lead us here? But while they were praying, another job came available that was way better than the first job that he'd moved there for. And a few months later, looking back, they would go, oh my goodness, God moved us to this new city with a job that was okay to provide for us a job that was way better. And that was something they could see. Many times in our lives, we're not going to see all the providence of God until much later. I'm convinced we get to heaven. We're going to see that God's been guiding us in ways we can't even imagine. And he's doing things and working things out in ways that we would never even believe. If that encourages you today, would you say amen? Amen. Well, you're going to find the story, the conclusion of the story of Ruth, extremely encouraging today because this is exactly what we're talking about. So let me remind you what this is. Ruth is, first of all, a love story. It's an Old Testament love story. It happened about a thousand years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the same place where Jesus was born. And it celebrates God's amazing providence in bringing together two godly people during a time when everybody else was doing what was right in their own eyes. It was in the days of the judges. So, and, we, and I didn't have a problem. We don't have a problem relating to this story because we live in a day when everybody's doing pretty much what's right in their own eyes. Hey, this is what I want to do, and so I'm doing it. This is what's my best interest. Well, that was the way it was then too. And there was a man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi who had been part of God's people, but they moved to a foreign country, Moab, during a time of famine. And they moved there because the crops weren't growing in Israel. Even though this is where God had given them land, they moved to a foreign land where people didn't worship the God of the Bible. They worshiped a wicked idol named Chemosh. He was Chemosh the destroyer, a warrior God. And they, and so when they moved there, they moved there just because it made business sense. It turned out to be a disastrous decision. They, uh, Naomi and Elimelech had two sons, Malon and Kilion. Both of them died while they were there and Elimelech died while they were there. Now, both of the sons had married wives from among the Moabites and one of the wives stayed there. The other wife went back with Naomi when she decided after everyone had passed away, there was no future for them in Moab, she decided to come back to Israel after 10 years. And when she came back, she came back a broken woman, angry and bitter toward God because she went away with a husband and sons and came back with only a daughter-in-law from among the Moabites. But what she didn't realize was Ruth was a diamond in the rough Ruth had said, look, I'm going to go back with you. I want to die where you die. I want your people to be my people. I want your God to be my God. She had heard them talk of a God of love and of kindness and of faithfulness. And she'd only grown up around people who worship Chemosh, a God of brutality and war and destruction. And she said, I want to know this God. I want to know that kind of love. So I'm going to stick with you. And that's what you'll see in your outline here that Ruth and was known, and I gave you a Hebrew word each week. The first was hesed. this is a loyal, faithful, true love. Somebody who says, I'm going to stick with you through thick and thin. And Ruth was that kind of woman. She was a woman of true love. The question would be, if they came back to Israel, would they find any hope? In those days, if you didn't have a husband or you didn't have a father, a, a male figure watching out for you, you were in really dire straits. The sons in the family were the ones who inherited the property, and women didn't have equal standing in the law at all. And they had lost all their male relatives, and so when they came back home, would anybody help them? Well, it turned out that when they came back, they came back right as the barley harvest was beginning, and Ruth went out in the fields, The provision in the Old Testament was if you were poor and you're a widow, you could go and pick up scraps. When the harvesters went through the fields and there were heads of grain laying on the ground, you could go pick those up and you could carry them back with you. And that way you'd at least have something to eat. Well, when Ruth went out to go and glean in one of the fields and there were fields all around Bethlehem, she happened to go to the field of the one righteous man who would take care of her. In a day when everybody else was doing what was right in their own eyes, God providentially guided her to the field of a man named Boaz. And here's the other Hebrew word we introduced you to. It's a word C-H-A-Y-I-L in English, but it would be pronounced, the C-H is like the C-H in Loch of Loch Ness. So it's chayil, which is great if you have something in your throat. Anyway, Boaz was a man of chayil, a, a mighty man of valor, of sterling character and integrity. And all throughout these first three chapters, we've been talking about, is there any way that the woman of loyal love could find a way to be married to a man of integrity? Because there weren't hardly any. And it just so happened that God guided her to this field. And so they actually met. And Boaz was kind to her and he blessed her. And he said, I've heard about you coming back with your mother-in-law and you taking care of your mother-in-law. Come glean with me. Stay in my fields, I'll protect you. And she did till the end of the barley and the wheat harvest. And when that happened, the last night of all this, when they were thrash, threshing all the grain and they were all at a threshing floor, Naomi told Ruth, go to Boaz and ask him, now that the harvests are over, will you become our family redeemer, our protector? And your outline here, I'm going to skip over Naomi in just a second, but if you go down to the next point there, that Ruth is a store of redemption. Naomi had told Ruth, if you go there, if you go to the barley pile, I want you to go late at night so that no one will see you because you need to ask Boaz if he will do more than allow us to gather grain. Will he become our family redeemer? There were provisions in the Old Testament that if a family became destitute, That another family member, an uncle, a cousin, a brother, somebody could provide for them and bail them out of trouble. In fact, this is what the scripture says. It says this, that if one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell some family land, then a close relative should buy it back for him. That's what it means to be redeemed. Somebody to pay the price that you can't pay. We talked about last week, this is an Old Testament picture of the kindness of Jesus. This is an amazing picture that he paid a debt we couldn't pay on the cross. And so he'd be able to bail them out of trouble. Also in Deuteronomy 25, it says, if brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, then his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears will carry on the name of the dead brother so his name won't be blotted out from Israel. And so, this is an amazing story of if Boaz would be willing, he not only could take Ruth into his household, he could redeem the family name because if they could get married and they could have a child, then the family name would continue. But this would come at great cost because Boaz didn't have to do this. Boaz could marry anybody he wanted to marry, he didn't have to help out this Moabite girl and her mother in law. And the question would be, would he be a righteous man? Would he providentially be the one that could bail them out? Would he providentially be the one who'd be kind to them? Now, if you go back in your outline a bit, this is also a story then about God providentially bringing hope and blessing through all this. Because Naomi, when her husband had died and her sons had died, when she'd come back to Bethlehem, she even changed her name. She said, don't call me Naomi, that means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. God sent me away full and I've come back empty. I'm bitter, which is always a bad way to start a conversation. Hi, I just want you to know I'm really bitter today. How are you? Okay? That's bad. So the question all throughout Ruth is, Can God providentially bring the one righteous woman together with the one righteous man? Can God providentially bring hope and blessing to a person who's become terribly bitter? Last week we left it that Ruth had gone to the barley pile at midnight and she had approached the man in the dark. That way he could reject her and save face for her and himself if he didn't want to do it. But he told her, he said, look, I'll be glad to help you and redeem you What you need to know is, is that there is a kinsman, you have a relative, a male relative who's closer in relationship to you than I am. And mean, we got all the way to the point where he says, oh, I'd love to help you out, Ruth. Boaz was an older guy and Ruth was young and beautiful and he didn't think she would go for him. And he'd been waiting on this other nearer relative to take action, but the guy hadn't. And so today we're going to find out what happens because he said, before the day is finished, if that guy is going to help you out, he's got to help you. If he doesn't, then I will. And we're all secretly going, don't help her out, other guy. Let Boaz do it. That's where you're supposed to be. That's where we are going into chapter four. And now I'm going to ask God to teach us some lessons from the final chapter. Heavenly Father, I did a recap there. And uh, Lord, I know that I had to jam through a lot of stuff. But Lord, this is a story of providence This is a story of your love and your grace to people, even when we become bitter and hardened against you because we don't understand what you're doing. This is a story of redemption, Lord, where you are rescuing people who can't rescue themselves. And Lord, we wanna see how it all turns out. So Lord, I thank you for your Bible, for the Bible. I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And God, how we practice our faith when times are hard, how we practice our faith when we have to trust in you, it matters. So speak to us once more messages of hope. Speak to us once more messages of truth and of insight and wisdom so we leave here closer to you and trusting you more. God, I pray these things. Move me out of the way and say whatever you once said to us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, this brings us to point B on your outline. If you're watching online, just go to centeringlives.com and you can pull that up. Another kinsman could have redeemed Ruth and Naomi, but he missed his chance. So I'm kind of tipping my hand here so you know it's all gonna turn out. But there was another guy related to Ruth and Naomi that had a chance to redeem them and help them, but he didn't take advantage of it. Here's what happens, Ruth chapter four. Boaz, the next morning, after they have met and discussed all this, he went to the town gate and took a seat there. Now what you need to understand is, a little background here that will help you understand why he's going to the town gate. The fields surrounded the cities. The cities were walled and had a gate. You'd bring your animals in for night. You'd bring your family in for night. You lived in the city. You went out to work your field during the day. This was a day when everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. There were thieves and marauders, people who come along, you were in great danger if you stayed outside of a walled city. And there was only one gate in or maybe two into the city. And so at the town gate, this would have been the main gate, right at that entrance where everybody had to come in and go out every day, they would have some rooms built there. So right onto the wall. And this is where uh, merchants would come and they'd bring their carts and they'd line up next to the gate Well, this is where you'd have the leaders of the city would come out and inspect the merchants and collect taxes. It's also where you'd have a room and you would do business. I mean, it made sense. This is where everybody had to pass through every day. And so Boaz goes to the town gate and he's been staying out at the barley pile outside the city, guarding his barley all night. He and his men have been. So it was an odd thing that he stayed outside, but he said, I'm going to the city gate. So as soon as they opened the gate in the morning, he was standing there and he grabbed 10 people. In those days, if you wanted, to, you didn't have notaries, but what you did to certify something, you would grab, grab 10 people and those are your witnesses. So if somebody came back and said, hey, 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 there's something funny going on, you go, no, no, these 10 guys were there. They all signed on it. They agree. So he took his seat at the city gate and just then He'd just gotten the 10 guys there and he said, hey, I want some business here. I want to transact this today. Just as he finally got them all seated, that's when the family redeemer, this other relative that he'd mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. And that word friend, we'll come back to it in a little bit. That's why I highlighted it in your outline there. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together and then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, now you know that Naomi who came back from Moab, well, she's selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it right here in the presence of these witnesses. If you don't want it, then let me know right away because I'm next in line to redeem it after you. And the man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz told him, now, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow, so the family name can be extended. That way she can have children who will carry on the husband's name and keep the land in the family. Well, then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I can't do it. Now, in those days, it was a custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party this publicly validated the transactions so the other family redeemer drew off his sandal and he said to Boaz, you buy the land. So there's a public transaction going on, 10 witnesses, and you can see a couple of notes in your outline here. I wanna explain the sandal thing first because that just seems really weird. Hey, I wanna buy this, here's my shoe. Why? Well, here's what's important. God had promised the people of Israel when he led them out of slavery in Egypt, that he was taking them to the promised land. When they got there, Joshua divided up the land among the tribes, and each tribe, there were clans of families, and each clan divided up their section among the families, and each family member then had a piece of land that God had given to their family. That's why this is so important, because Uh, a person in your clan, if somebody died, somebody else in the clan needed to buy the land because if it went to another clan, went to somewhere else, well, if enough people died, then that clan would soon be wiped out. There would be no inheritance anymore. So it was terribly important that a family redeemer came back and bought the land. And that's what's happening here. But it's important also that they took off the shoe because God had told them, God would bless them and give them property wherever they walked in the promised land. Listen to Deuteronomy eleven twenty two. God said, uh, Moses is instructing the people here, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. And then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you, though they are much greater and stronger than you, and you will take over the land wherever you set your foot, that land will be yours. And so... God had told this to Abraham. God had passed that on through Moses. And he said, wherever you set your foot, that land will be yours. And the reason you took off your shoe was you said, I know God has given me the opportunity to acquire this land and walk on it. This would be an opportunity from the Lord, but I can't take advantage of it. You take advantage of the opportunity that God is giving you to walk on that land. Now, think if we did this. There's an opportunity in front of me, but I can't do it right now. God has provided it, but I'm going to let you take advantage of the opportunity because I can't take advantage of the opportunity God has given me. Man. Now, that sandal thing doesn't seem like we're just passing athlete's foot around. I mean, this seems like something better. This is significant. And that's why you needed 10 witnesses, because the land had been given to them by God. And by the way, if you don't think people are still arguing about where that land was given to them by God, you don't know anything about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. That's what they're talking about still today, right now. Hmm. Now, here's what's also important to notice. Because the family redeemer was more worried about his own estate than doing what was right, we don't even know his name. He was just called the friend in this translation, but in the original translation, here's the Hebrew word. Well, this is actually a Hebrew term that I'm giving you this week. I've given you one each week just for fun, so here you go. When Boaz called out to him, he said, hey, Almoni." I'm not making this up. That's what the Hebrew says, the old Hebrew says, and it's, in English, we would call that a word play, like a, it's called a farago. It's like herky-jerky, or mishmash, or heebie-jeebie. We have words like that, or rammer-jammer-yellowhammer, or wiggle <laughs> wiggle war eagle Okay, let's go that way. <laughs> we say words like that, and we go, what does that mean? We're not exactly sure what herky-jerky is, but it's not good. And so this guy was a guy who should have helped Ruth and Naomi out sooner. In some translations, it says that Boaz called out and said, hey, so-and-so, come over here. I've never heard anybody call us so-and-so. But this guy was slacking. So John Schmidt's translation would be, hey, slacky Jackie, come on over here. And that's probably pretty close. Because this guy had to know that Ruth and Naomi had come back as soon as Boaz lays it out. Now, you know Naomi has come back with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and you know they're selling that land. Are you going to buy it or not? Because if you're not going to, I'm next in line. The guy goes, okay, I'll buy it. Well, you know it's your duty then to protect the clan that we carry on the family name. Are you going to do that too? The guy goes, Nope, might endanger my own estate. How? Well, if he has inheritance, if he takes this land and then he has a son with Ruth, well, that son, when he grows up, will inherit not only that land, but will inherit part of the land of his father, of his birth father now. And so anytime you helped out a widow, you didn't do it because you made money. You did it because it was the right thing to do. But this guy wasn't willing to take advantage of the opportunity to do what was right that God had given him. And so we don't even know his name. We just know he's slacky Jackie. Seriously, we don't know who he is. And Boaz is about to take advantage of it. And you're going to see Boaz makes it in the Bible. This guy could have made it in the Bible. But he goes, this endangers my estate. You're not even going to be in the Old Testament, dude. You could be in the Old Testament. Hmm. Because the family redeemer was more worried about that, we don't even know his name. He was just a polony almonia, a herky jerky so and so. Here's a life application for you and me. We must be careful. We don't miss opportunities to serve God by serving others. He would be serving God by serving Ruth and Naomi, doing the right thing. He wasn't interested in doing the right thing. He was one of the people and everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. He was doing what was best for his estate. And God's looking for people who will trust him. Hey, if you trust me, I'll bless you. Jesus said this when he talked about the kingdom of heaven and the king of heaven sitting on the throne and people are gathered before him like sheep and goats. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they, were pro- then they will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. I mean, sometimes people will tell me a story like Ruth, well, that doesn't even apply to us any day. What are you talking about? Boaz and the other relative had the same choice that you and I have when a neighbor comes to you for help. Are you gonna help him or not? Does that mean we have to help every person on every street corner? Of course not. But are we open when God is showing us a need that's clear in front of us? Have we ever even asked God, God, do you want me to be generous? Is there someone I need to go visit? You may know someone right now today Oh, I need to give them a call. Oh, I need to go see them. Well, then write it in the margin of your outline right now, and as soon as this is over, set up a time to go see them today. God has things in store for you and me. And you know what happens if you and I pass it up? The Polonia money passed it up. Boaz had the chance to do what was right. The only other book in the Bible named for a woman is Esther, And here's what Esther's uh, cousin Mordecai told her. She was thinking about whether or not she was going to stick her neck out to rescue her people. And her uncle said this, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But who knows that you have come to this very position, this royal position for just such a time as this. Who knows that God put you right in the place where you live so you could help your neighbor out. Well, what difference would that make? I don't know. I don't know providence 20 years from now. Neither do you. Maybe my phone call can change the trajectory of somebody's life. Maybe yours can too. And a hero is just somebody who will do the right thing at the right time, not thinking about himself or herself. I want you to know that God's opportunities often look like interruptions. was this guy coming in. Hey, herky-jerky. Hey, slacky-jacky, come on over here. You know about this. How come you haven't done this? All right, I'll buy the land. No, no. You buy the land. You take Ruth. Well, I'm not doing it. You take advantage of the opportunity God gives us. And Boaz did. And that brings us to the point C in your outline. When Boaz redeemed Ruth and Naomi, change the trajectory of all their lives. Ruth went from being a destitute, barren widow. She'd been married to uh, Malan, Elimelech and Naomi's son who had died. She married to him probably for most of those 10 years that they'd been in Moab, never had a child. And she was also a foreigner. Well, she went from being a destitute, barren widow and a foreigner to becoming a financially secure wife, a mother and one of God's people. The Moabites weren't even allowed to worship at the tabernacle. But now she was brought into God's people. Here's what Boaz said. Boaz took the man's shoe and he said, Boaz held it up and he said to the elders of the crowd sitting around, You're witnesses today, I bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech and Kilion and Malon and with the land I've acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in, this home t- in his hometown. You're all witnesses today. Got the sandal, size 11 and a half, right here. You're all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people stood up and applauded. Listen to this, this is so cool. Because they knew this would be a big sacrifice. They knew that in a day when everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes, there was one man who was gonna do what was right. There was one man who was going to do what was right. Listen to this. This is so great. And they all stood up and they replied, we are witnesses. And may the Lord make this woman who's coming to your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah. That's Bethlehem there, the the surrounding area and be famous in Bethlehem and may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez the son of Tamar and Judah and so Boaz took Ruth into his home she became his wife and when he slept with her the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son and everybody cheered Not only did God providentially bring Ruth to a field where she could glean, she brought her providentially to a man who owned that field who would do the right thing. And he brought her into his family, and he gave her a future and a hope. Do you know who promises to do that for you and me? The Lord himself. There's a verse that I did not put in here, and I have no idea why. You can write this in the margin, Isaiah 64, 4. Listen to this. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ears perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And wait for him doesn't mean just standing around. Wait for him means waiting on him the way a waiter waits on you at a table. If the Lord tells you to go, you go. If he tells you to wait, you wait. He tells you to obey, you obey. And the Lord acts on behalf of people who will trust him. And Ruth had been faithful and Boaz had been faithful. And when Naomi came back to her land, he even blessed her. Naomi went from being a bitter woman who'd relied on herself, she'd given up on God, I guess I'll just come home and die. She went from being a bitter woman who'd relied on herself to becoming a blessed woman who relied on God. When she had realized that God had arranged all this, she was the one at the end of the last chapter who told Ruth, just wait till the end of the day. This is, Boaz is a righteous man. He's going to see that we get help today. And she was not wrong. Then the women of the town, after the little baby was born, the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. And seven is the biblical number for completion. If you said that this girl was better than seven sons, man, that's better than winning the lottery. This woman is the best thing that ever happened to you, Naomi. And then Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. And the neighbor women said, now, at last, Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. That's servant. It's short for Obadiah, which means servant of the Lord. Mm. And he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Now it's important to also understand that both Boaz and Ruth both did become famous as the ancestors of David and ultimately Jesus. Ruth went from being a foreigner who had no future to being a part of God's family in the family line of David, the King David, the David who killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, the David whose great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson, according to genealogy, would be Jesus. Ruth married into that family line. In fact, Matthew points us out in Matthew 1, this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, And Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. And there's a life application. There's a note here and a life application for for us out of that. It's amazing who God wants in his family. In just that little passage of scripture, turns out that Boaz's mother was Rahab. I mean, Rahab was a prostitute in Jericho. Ruth was a woman from Moab. And both these women are in Jesus' family line. I didn't have time to put all the genealogy. There's another woman listed in line. Her name's Tamar, and you could read Genesis 38. I put that in the discussion questions, and her past is no light lunch either. And so you have these three women in here that you would go, why in the world would Jesus put a Moabite, a prostitute, and then Tamar, like I said, you just got to read this one because you won't believe it. Anyway, why would he put those people in Jesus' family line? In Ephesians 1, Paul talks about this. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord, Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. And even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Sinners like you and sinners like me. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. That's why it's so important that Ruth and Rahab and Tamar are all listed in the genealogy of Jesus. gives hope to people like you and me. It's so important to understand that Naomi was blessed. She'd been bitter at one time because she had given up on God, but God didn't give up on her. Maybe you need to hear that today. Life hasn't turned out the way you thought. Don't give up on God. God can never forgive me. Yes, he can. God can't bless me. Yes, he can. God can't do anything with my life. Yes, he can. Don't give up on him today. That's the last life application. Jesus' redemption. When we come to Jesus, he changes the trajectory of everyone's life. Everyone who repents and comes to him. Everyone who comes to him. Ruth went to Boaz and said, you got to redeem me. You got to help me. I need your help. That's what God wants each one of us to do. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. Paul wrote in Colossians 1, it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Can we say those two words together, please? Changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace, his undeserved kindness. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. We come to him. If you come here today, broken and angry and disappointed with life, surrender that to God. If you've never given your heart to Christ, this is the day to do it. We're going to have people under the screens. We'll pray with you in a minute, but we're going to wrap up our worship service today, singing a song about God's blessing. God had told Moses, he said, tell your brother Aaron every time when the people go out to say a word of blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May he bless you. This is God's will for you and me. He just wants us to trust him. To wait for him. To not give up on him. To come to him. Oh, will you come to him today? Will you come to him today? Heavenly Father, we just come before you. I can't live this life on my own. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your protection. Thank you for the story of Ruth. You guided her. You brought her to Boaz. You brought them together. Boaz was the redeemer for him. You, you arranged the whole thing. And then you let them be a part of the family line of David and Jesus. That's amazing. And Lord, I don't even know what you have in store for each one of us. But Lord, forgive us for the times when we doubt you. Forgive us for the times we get angry and bitter at you. And we don't even understand what's going on. Oh God, we need your love and forgiveness. We're sinners each and every one. God, we need your direction. We don't know where we're going on our own. God, we need your love and protection because we live in a scary world. And God, we want to be people like Ruth and Boaz who trusted you even when nobody else did. All oh, of these are the desires of your heart, pray to Jesus right now and say, oh God, I want this. Stir us up, Lord. Don't let us go home casual about our faith. Not today. Not today, Lord. God, I want your blessing. God, I need your protection. God, show me which way to walk. In the name of Christ, we pray.